Week two of the NFL season is in the books, and we still have way too many questions. Is the Ravens' backfield now the Ravens' buckfield? Has Tariq Cohen made everyone who drafted Jordan Howard early furious already? And who are we really to trust in the first two rounds of the draft from this past season? Let's recap it all right now. And run up the score. You're listening to Run Up the Score, a fantasy football podcast. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to Run Up the Score. It's Donald Wagonblast here with you. With me is my brother, Scott. Hey. And the man, the myth, the legend, the Maltese Falcon. (laughs) He's back. Tom Hillier. Hey, everybody. It is great to have you back, Tom. Nice Nice to see you. It's great to be back. You look svelte. You look tan. And you look like you're uh, you're ready for some takes. I'm an island man now. Yes. Were you still able to watch enough of the games and uh, hopefully have your very open opinion about the players? Or what's yes, the deal? I mean I was uh, I was staying up late. I was burning the candle at both ends, nice. burning the midnight oil, and uh, the Thursday night or Monday night games were starting at two thirty in the morning over there. So thankfully, due to a Maltese holiday, I got to watch. The Patriots and the Chiefs. Some stuff I had to catch up on my own time. Sundays were pretty good still, and you know I made the best of it. There's no doubt. That's good. All to right. Hear. Did the toilets flush the other way in there? Um, no, but they they were more like this is an irrelevant detail, but they were more. <laughs> they had the flusher in the middle on the top, and then they straight down the button flusher. The button flusher mm-hmm. was popular over there. Well, speaking of straight down the toilet, <laughs> the Cincinnati Bengals. Still haven't scored a touchdown, so let's get into our week two recap. Uh, the Texans, Deshaun Watson looked okay. Uh, he had that breathtaking 46-yard run to end the first half. Incredible. It was the only touchdown scored in that game. The Texans end up beating the Bengals. The Bengals, like I said, they still haven't scored a touchdown, uh, and it's really starting to look dire here for Andy Dalton. They looked so bad again, and, um, you know... It's it just stinks because we were actually kind of big on them. Let's let Tom take the floor and defend Andy Dalton. Actually, go ahead. Yeah, I do want to defend him. I, he he tanked me. There's no doubt. He nuked me <laughs> in week one. Uh, I tweeted it out. There was a game where I lost by two, and I started Andy Dalton, who had negative three. So he was literally the only option in the entire app that could make me lose that matchup, and I had him. So what a miracle that was. Either way. Their schedule is encouraging. I am not giving up on Andy Dalton. Let's you know with tempered expectations, but I'm certainly not giving up on Tyler Eifert, barring he's going to actually play this Sunday. The news comes out that he's already questionable with a couple injuries. But let me read you through their schedule coming up. Green Bay. Usually fantasy points are plenty when you play those. Guys. And that's a great sign for AJ Green owners who because he's been underwhelming and the fa- yeah. the Packers, as we said on the preview show. They have no idea how to cover Julio Jones, and A.J. Green kind of plays that same role. And he's the squeaky wheel this week. So, you know, I think he's due for a big bounce back week, but we'll save that for the preview. And we've mentioned this before. The next week, A.J. Green gets to play the Browns. Nice. And any tight end with a heartbeat goes off against the Browns. So those next two matchups, pretty favorable. Buffalo doesn't scare me. A bye, which, you know, 
might be a relief for your stress levels. You don't have to start any of these guys and worry about it. Let's hope Dalton makes it through that bye week as the starter. But then you've got Pittsburgh, not so scary. Indianapolis Colts, not so scary. A couple tough matchups, but then back down the road, week 12, you get Cleveland again, 13, Pittsburgh again, 14, Chicago. Playoffs. Yeah. So, you, I mean, these guys are still relevant fantasy players. These are NFL caliber athletes with a – you know, a really good team. I saw a meme today. It was like the Bengals are the North Korea of the NFL. <laughs> Everyone talks about all their weapons, but they don't do anything. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Wow. So, you know. Pretty fitting. Yeah. There's time. There's time for, uh, you know, let's all root for North yeah. Korea here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But moral of the story is I'm really not giving up on Tyler Eifert especially. I think Andy Dalton still has that – uh, streamer capability, no doubt. It's going to be scary when you roll them out there, but, you know, that's the game, baby. That's why we play the that's game. That's what you live for. You're playing with fire. Um, <laughs> the backfield in Cincinnati looks no closer to being resolved. Yeah, I really do hate that. Um, <laughs> it, that is going to be – that's just troublesome. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy Hill historically destroys the Browns on no less than six carries. So, I mean, I'm yeah. not saying that we start him in week – what is it? Four. four. So let's let's concentrate on this uh, recap. Let's not get too into the weeds. I'm talking to myself there, really. <laughs> but I'm not giving up on the Bengals. I know there was not much to recap because they didn't do anything. Right. So I guess that's where we that's stand. The so then let's move to the Texans then because DeAndre Hopkins is just an incredible receiver yeah. that it seems like anybody can throw the yeah. ball to. He was just they were just lining up except Oswald. Yeah, besides Oswald. ASU. Line up in press coverage against this guy if you're the Bengals, and he owns you. Like, how many targets in a row was he just running straight to the first down, giving that little hand shove, turning to the sideline, bang, right on the money. Hopkins made some great catches, too. You know, I I'm, I was one of the people who said you should start him last week, even though they seemed like they were going to be terrible because of his volume. And you're going to keep continuing to start him because the rapport with Watson is only going to get better. I thought Watson looked more confident than someone who had three days to prepare as the starting quarterback than you could possibly look. He made a great run, and I think that that relationship is going to grow. Lamar Miller also officially on Shut It Down Watch. Deontay Foreman really cutting into his carries and looking better than Lamar Miller during that Bengals game. So just something to watch out for. The only thing that's going to keep Lamar Miller on the field, I believe, because Deontay Foreman was just running like a beast. He was really running hard. Uh, He can't catch. Lamar Miller can catch. Uh, Texans seem like they may be losing a lot. So those quick little dump downs for Watson's a nice press release, especially when he ha- doesn't even have tight ends on the roster anymore. I was just going to mention that. So, There's no tight ends there. Um, don't be surprised if Gary Barnage winds up there. The you know, Barnyard Dog. The Barnyard Dog. I'd like to see him come back. Barnyard Dog always finds his way home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is a very suitable veteran tight end. He would be really good on that roster. And just to reiterate what Scott was saying, that season where DeAndre Hopkins was um, unreal and was a consensus top four pick the following season, only to disappoint, he was getting such a large target share, so much volume, and it, that's kind of what we're seeing again. So yep. hopes can be high for DeAndre Hopkins. Target numbers are in the 30s after two weeks, which I think is good. Let's move on now to Sunday slate. The Bills and Panthers played a game. You might not even have noticed it because there were literally no touchdowns scored. The Panthers' offense is entirely on watch. Cam Newton's not healthy. I think it's pretty obvious. Well, he's not running. So from a fantasy perspective, 
if he's protecting himself because he's not 100% or this is just what he wants to do now with the addition of Christian McCaffrey and the whole culture change we're supposed to be seeing. He's not running and he's not a prolific passer. So from a fantasy value perspective, you know, you can do better than Cam Newton. Especially with Greg Olson going down now. He's got a broken foot. He's out six to eight weeks. You know, next man up is Ed Dixon, but I don't even think he's on our waiver wire radar this week. I mean, he's he's somewhat on the radar just because I've heard reports that they're supposed to give him, you know, all he can handle. And he's supposed to slot in and play like as many snaps as Olsen did. And, you know, their offense isn't supposed to change at all. We'll see how that goes. Maybe not an ad for this week, but I mean, look at how many tight ends have been going down. It, it's not unreasonable that he gets picked up maybe in a week or two but i agree maybe not this week there's better tight ends out there maybe versus the browns you know something that you would suggest that you stream him um with them i think you know he's going to be out there because he's a tight end so he's going to get a high snap count he might run some routes but i think the targets are just going to go elsewhere devin funches had his career high in targets after olsen went down another uh little note to make about that Panthers offense. But again, they're not scoring touchdowns right now, so I don't even know how much you really want to look at them. Speaking of which, Buffalo, they managed three points. You know, you got to run shady out there due to volume, but I'm avoiding Tyrod if they're playing a good defense a la the Carolina Panthers down the road because they just did not get anything going. No, not at all. And and they just they just queued in, loaded up the box, and made Tyrod throw, and he, it, he was just not capable of doing that. Um, the Bills... Uh, I don't think they've let up a touchdown yet, right? The Jets kicked four field goals, and the Panthers kicked three. Did Did McCown have a rushing touchdown in that game against I don't Buffalo? think so. I think it was okay. four field goals. But yeah. either way, the Bills' defense is actually, with all the things they've traded away, they're actually looking pretty good. So it's a team that if you're if they're playing against a bad team, you might want to throw them in and stream them and hope for one of those uggos, one of those nine threes where Tyrod's managing clock and they're playing good D. We know that you get the Jets again at least once. That's so right. Just keep that in the back of your head. <laughs> yeah, and just to say, I think Charles Clay is still a very good option over there. He's leading. He's getting more targets than the receivers are combined. So you know. Yeah, and Jones, Jones, Zay Jones had six targets and and turned in a turd. Yeah. Right. Moving on now, Chicago and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay goes up 29-7. They were up early. They stayed on them. Uh, def- got a defensive touchdown against Glennon. I thought Glennon looked horrible, even though he did throw that touchdown to Deontay Thompson. Um, you know, everybody, every key player basically on the Bucks looked good. Jameis was yes. spreading the ball around. Uh, Deshaun Jackson was, was looking good. If this Our game was closer. Quiz, I thought, ran very well. Yep, Jaquiz Rogers. Well. Running well, he scored. Mike Evans gets his goal line touchdown, like we said. Yep, good call. That he, you know, I mean, I just kind of figured week week one, you feel like you got to get that look, and it, you know that's what the Raiders did with Cooper, which we'll you, get to them. You, you literally can't stop Mike Evans if he runs that like out route towards the side of the end zone, and Jameis Winston throws it like a normal human being should. Like he's just going to score. It's not you can't do anything. Yeah, I mean, and that's the value you want, obviously, and you want a quarterback who's going to exploit that. Like right. it's the thing that we don't see with Julio Jones and and the complaints that we get with that. But Jaquiz Rogers, and it's cool that he was playing against um, Terry Cohen. Right. I kind of see them. They keep comparing Terry Cohen to more like uh, Darren Sproles, but I think he might even be. 
by the end of the season, we're going to be comparing him a little bit more to Jaquiz Rogers because they're both pretty small guys, but they're both powerful in right. their in their play style. Right. And I think with Jordan Howard's injury, which is definitely worth talking about, absolutely, Tariq right Cohen to is going to become you know a Jaquiz Rogers of his own in that offense. I'd um, even go as far as to say that this is Tariq Cohen's backfield until further notice because well, Howard yeah. gets seven carries, he manages nine yards. I mean, it's it seems like it's over for him. If they get down. Yeah, well, just to clarify, I said, you know, a Jaquiz Rogers of his own. Yeah. Jaquiz Rogers owns the backfield. He sure does. Right, yeah. I mean, for now, I think for ja- now, that's Jaquiz what did a pretty good job of of kind of, you know, helping his case toward not losing his role to uh, Doug Martin. Um, one thing looking forward to the waivers, if you're looking at a defense, uh, I think the Bucks are one that you could look at because they play Minnesota next week and Bradford's status is still up in the air. That's so, a great one. He so looks if to be Bradford week to doesn't week play, uh, Tampa Bay's defense looked great. They had a pick six. They really just beat the ever-living crap out of the Bears. And by the time it was halfway through the second quarter, the game was over. So also, but what I was going to get to is I'm not using a claim on a defense this week because I was looking at the matchups and there's literally like seven defenses that nobody picks up that you can start. If you'd like, I could list them off. <laughs> Maybe towards the end. Let's, let's just right, get through we'll this. Let's we'll just get, get through, through the slate. Yeah, we'll get through every game. So, yeah. All right, one um, down. So we're moving down to the Vikings and the Steelers. The Sam Bradford news. Of course, Sam Bradford had to go on the injury report on Thursday, right after we dropped the Week 2 preview episode. Where we both picked the Vikings to win. Yep. <laughs> so naturally, he's out. Uh, he, I thought for sure he was going to play. I guess it just it seems like it just got worse and worse as the week went along. And that's why they pulled him out. Case Keenum didn't really do anything to inspire confidence, though. I did mention to uh, one of our followers on Twitter, I think Dalvin Cook keeps his value because of the volume he's going to see and the snap share that he currently has. Diggs and Thielen, they both were okay. But, you know, I just Case Keenum had like basically two days notice that he was going to start. And there was just no way that they were going to be ready to beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh under circumstances like that. So I'm kind of giving the Vikings a pass. I think I'm a little bit more optimistic about the pass catchers this week, which also makes me a little bit more optimistic about Cook as well. Yeah, I think they all get a benefit if Sam Bradford actually plays. There was this very odd report. They said, yeah, he'll play next week. He'll play in six weeks. He's fine. That was Mike Zimmer. That, that was him who said yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great a quote. interview answers. Yeah, and so I was like, okay. You know, like, I don't know really what to do with that information. And I feel bad for uh, Mr. Connor Tripler in the Internet Celebrity League. He's got Sam Bradford as his uh, Andrew Luck fill-in. Don't feel too bad for him. He beat me by .4 this week. (laughs) Ouch. Unbelievable. Anyway, I think uh, Dalvin Cook has been a really great fantasy asset. I think anyone who drafted him is happy to have him. If Kareem Hunt didn't have the start to the season that he's had, we'd always be talking about how good Dalvin Cook has looked. Yeah, I think it's almost like Dalvin Cook should have been drafted where Christian McCaffrey was being drafted, and maybe Christian McCaffrey should have been drafted a little bit lower. I mean, Christian McCaffrey well, had a walk-in touchdown this week that came through 10 yards over his head. Well, I, I don't mean to say that... He would have outscored him, and then there's a whole different conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm but, not poo-pooing Christian McCaffrey. Right, right. I still, still love the guy. But Dalvin Cook looks every bit a uh, three-down bell cow back. Oh, yes. You're going to see him sense, in the top yeah. three rounds next year. There's no doubt about it. No if doubt. not... Two or one. Yeah. So let's move to the Steelers. It was a Martavis Bryant week. He goes seven for 91, drew another really long uh, defensive pass interference that set up another touchdown. He looked like he was he was his arrival. They kind of weren't really testing Antonio Brown against Xavier Rhodes. 
So, you know, it was a good week overall for the Steelers D. They still haven't gotten Le'Veon Bell in the end zone, but it's coming. You can just tell, even Scott and I, as we were watching the games last night, he started making those, like, patient cuts that he's just, it's basically his signature on a football field. So he's getting there. So for those of you who might be a little frustrated, it's coming. He's putting it all together. It's going to be there within the next week or two. It's definitely coming, but it is a little concerning. I mean, he's got under 100 total rushing yards so far and only something like two receptions. So you're really not even getting that PPR bailout that you would expect with a guy like him. Obviously, he was so worth the investment. But if you're in a league where people are finicky with, you know, their high investment players or just any of their players at all, it's worth sending a low ball offer over to the Le'Veon Bell owner and seeing what you can get out of him. Because Le'Veon Bell, we, I mean, we are all in agreement that he'll be a league winning type of guy. Yeah, especially because he quote unquote fell to number two overall this year. And now that David Johnson's out, he really seems to be the premier back that you're going to want long term this season. I think it's, it's still going to take. A little time. I know they play the Bears next week. Um, the Bears, you know, we liked how Jaquiz ran, but he didn't really actually have that great of a yards per carry type of game. 60-something yards or, and a tutty. He ran hard and he yeah. cut well, but he didn't actually really accumulate a lot of yards. Um, listen, Le'Veon had 27 carries and he got 87 yards. So if you're not concerned, then, you know, I don't really know what you're watching. You should be a little concerned because it's your, it's your first overall pick and he hasn't even sniffed the end zone and he hasn't even sniffed three yards per carry really. Yeah. So it's concerning. It, it's definitely coming, but when you don't go to, this is what happens when you don't go to camp and you're a running back that's predicated off reading blocks, reading cuts, getting reps. He didn't get those during the, during the preseason. And I think it shows clear as day as to why he's struggling. It's troublesome, but even when your number one overall pick or your first round pick is a running back and they're not performing at you know that first round or first pick caliber, they still give you like those RB two numbers that you can't just right the you, floor you, you're value. You're not just is... going to find him on the street, kind of like Todd Gurley last year. Right. I mean, he was a solid RB two. He's been great this year, but we'll get to that. But I mean, you're still going to plug him in. You're never going to sit him. So I think just in due time, you'll get your yeah. Le'Veon Bell. But you're right to be concerned. But It'll, it'll feel really good when he starts going off. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So the Cardinals somehow eke one out in Indianapolis against the Colts. They looked terrible again. Palmer with an early pick set up a Frank Gore touchdown. They had to come all the way back. I mean, it was an ugly, ugly game. But we did get a waiver wire guy that you can look at this week in J.J. Nelson. Five catches, 120 yards. He scored the lone touchdown for Arizona. John Brown is already declared out for week three with a quad injury. Larry Fitzgerald looking a little long in the tooth last week. The Colts really bottled him up well. You know, we still don't have a resolution. Now Bruce Arians came out today. He's talking about Chris Johnson may have earned more snaps than Kerwin Williams for going into next week. So I'm looking at J.J. Nelson, and he's basically the number two with a number one target share upside going into week three. So I like him. But unfortunately, he is tied to Carson Palmer, and there aren't too many quarterbacks looking worse than Carson Palmer right now. Yeah, J.J. Nelson's definitely a standard play. You know, he's not going to get 10 receptions. There's no way, especially with Carson Palmer playing the way he is. But he's a deep ball threat. I mean, he can really give you, like, that the performance that you want in one play. And it's worth noting with the, the messy backfield back there that Andre Ellington actually led the team in snaps. Yep. But, you know... 
as the kind of like a, the scat back of the team or in, in years prior and other roles that he's had, I know Scott is bigger on that in like the PPR formats and everything, right. but nothing in that backfield, not even the Chris Johnson report, not even the Kerwin Williams carries, nothing gives me confidence about any of them. Yeah, it, it, it looked bleak, but I think that there's one thing that we can kind of take away is that Kerwin Williams doesn't seem like he's going to be very good. So if you're looking for someone to kind of step in, it doesn't seem like Kerwin Williams, he didn't earn another carry as far as I'm concerned in the game that he played. And Chris Johnson did, right? So if Chris Johnson comes out and he starts playing well, who knows? Maybe it's a one-two punch with Ellington and him. And, and now you're looking at two guys who are both possibly startable. But like you said, it is so, it's just a little too early to tell. The dust needs to settle more. And it seems like the Cardinals are going to be losing a lot. So it's, it's going to be really hard to tell, I think, the yeah. whole year. I am rooting for them because as someone who's harboring David Johnson, you know, if he comes back to a team that is in ruin, he's not going to play. He's it's the same good. conversation that me and Don had with Andrew Luck last week. If, yeah. the, if the Cardinals are just terrible, just like the Colts look like they're going to be just terrible, and it takes till week 13 or something like that, why would you play David Johnson? Why would you play Andrew Luck? Let's, let's hope we don't have to get yeah. there, though. Let's pivot to the Colts. I thought Brissett added a little bit more to that offense than Scott Tolzien did this week. I'm still benching T.Y. Hilton and Dante Moncrief until further notice, but Jack Doyle seems like he got the volume that they're going to need, especially when they were down. He was making some really trust-earning catches boy. with Brissett. Um, and, you know, Frank Gore, if they are in a close game, they're going to run Frank Gore. So... If you can bet on the Colts playing a team close, which they play Cleveland in week three, you know, you might be able to get away with playing Frank Gore, but I think Jack Doyle can still be started week to week. Yeah, I think Jack Doyle is a great start next week. Like I said earlier, anyone with a pulse has been trashing uh, the Cleveland Browns at the tight end position. I'm cool with starting T.Y. Hilton versus the Browns. I'm cool with starting even Dante Moncrief versus the Browns. I think Brissett brings the receiver play up to a, a little bit you know he's right. not like the savior Inept. in indianapolis right. but he's going to help out right and i think that's good i think that's good for the team and i think that's good for the andrew luck script that we were just mentioning before right i think so too i think um it seems like Brissett's actually pretty good and if you're in a 2qb league i don't hate the ad and the start against cleveland this week for Brissett. so that means i'm cool with hilton um, I'd probably fade a little on Moncrief, but Jack Doyle, definite starter. Um, yeah, you know, I, I really do like Brissett. I think he's going to be good. And I think if, if Jack Doyle's hanging out on your waiver and you're a guy with any one of these seems like six or seven startable tight ends that have an injury, you go pick up Jack Doyle and, and you're happy. Absolutely. The Patriots got right exactly in the way that we'd hoped they would. Tom Brady with 300 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. He goes first over quarter. four. Yeah, pretty much. He goes over 400 yards. The Patriots were in complete control. I thought they were in like pull your starters for the entire second half range. Uh, they the Saints were actually able to keep it close enough for Brady to get that extra hundred yards in the second half. So uh, hat tip, I guess, to the Brady owners who I played against this week. Um, but the Patriots look good. Uh, they may. Gronk comes down with a groin injury after making another just awesome Gronk touchdown for touchdown number 69. You know he loved to do it. Um, 
the groin injury, he told reporters he was fine. I don't think we're going to get any further indication about what his status will be until at least Thursday. But it did seem like, you know, he came up a little lame. They were up big, and they were like, all right, what are we going to put him back in the game for? He did not need to go back in. But, I mean, he looked awesome while he was in. He could have, like, just as easily came down with that second touchdown as well right. and had an amazing day, making Brady have an even better day as well. The guy that really stood out last week, if you watched the game, which I'm sure you did, is James White. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, wow. He's, like, doubling his uh, his market share of the football right. compared to last year, and he was still startable last year. So you're looking at a guy who's going to start every single week for you, in my opinion. I mean, he looked good. Yep. And with the receiving core getting de- more and more depleted yeah, as the Hogan season goes now, on. He's gonna be, he, it's very possible he's a receiver by the end of the season. Exactly. No, like, I mean, kidding. he's going to he's gonna line up in the slot. I mean, they're going to motion him out of the backfield. They're going to do all these clever things with him because he knows how to play. And Tom Brady was glowing about his performance as well. So he's got Tom Brady's you know vote of confidence, which means the world in that you offense. Know, and and when uh, we were watching the, the, the first week's game, uh, me and Don were both like, wow, James White looks great. You know, he's yep. running good. He's catching balls. He's he's looking awesome. And, you know, the Patriots got to play the worst defense again. They just The Saints just looked terrible, and they just did whatever they wanted. But uh, good sign for them. For the Saints, you know, it seems like they're just going to be getting burned on defense, and it's just going to be throw, throw, throw. So anybody who drafted Adrian Peterson, I'm sorry. You're barely going to be able to use him. It seems like he's a prime shut-it-down candidate. It's over. Um, Alvin Kamara and Ingram looks like they're going to split and both get garbage. And well, Alvin Kamara, just to you know, throw my two cents out there for him, he had like seven targets, I believe, in the passing game, which is right. you know a whatever startable fantasy receiver gets. Especially when yeah. those targets are coming from Drew from Brees. Drew Brees. Yeah. Exactly. So in a league where I'm spread very thin, uh, David Johnson, 12-man area – I might have to be starting him here coming up, and I don't think it's the worst idea in the world, especially when they're going up against a good opponent. Like, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, obviously, but it's not like he burned the the Patriots or anything. Right. But if they're going up a good opponent against a good opponent, and I know they're going to be passing a lot, you know, he's a guy that I'd feel comfortable starting. Get Absolutely. Those dump downs and real quick, Brandon Coleman touchdown. Yeah, right? he did. Oh yeah, I texted you right away. I mean, he looked awesome, and he is. Big. He's so big. Yeah. I think they literally write his like height online is too short. He's the only player who underbills himself. Yeah, he yeah. looks gigantic. He looks like he's seven feet tall. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw it too. Just real quick, um, Romo called the touchdown like entirely. Yeah, he's Romo like, has oh. been. Crazy. He's like, look for uh, sixteen on the fade on uh, on the inside there, and then it literally happened yeah. immediately. It was cool. That's fantastic. Michael Thomas also with a pretty good bounce back game. Didn't score. Did get a lot of targets. Had I think about. 80 or 90 yards. So he looked okay. He looked like he bounced back after that nightmare in uh, Minnesota as well. Moving on now, the Ravens handled the Browns like we thought they would. Like I said, the, the Ravens' field. backfield is turning into the Ravens' buckfield. Buck Allen, over 100 total yards, barely over 100, gets a receiving touchdown. He was chunking yards left and right. Um, and now Terrence West has a soft tissue injury. And the other guy that they brought in after West exited the game, Alex Collins, Lost a fumble. So this really looks like it could become a one horse buck field very quickly. Right. If he's not if he's out on your waiver, I think that he's the number one claim this week, yeah. right? 
Uh, and I think James White gives him a, a run for his money if James White's hanging out there too, which he totally shouldn't be. But which he shouldn't he be, might be right, it's, but it's possible he it's, might. Just like just like Buck Allen really shouldn't be either. Yeah. But um, he looked good, Buck. He really did. He, he can really run can good really routes. Buck. Yeah, um, he could really run good routes. He runs pretty hard out of the backfield, and uh, it looks like he's going to be an every week starter. And yeah. those reception totals are totally going to keep you alive in PPR regardless if he finds the end zone or not. Another thing I want to add, too, um, I think the Ravens' defense might be an every-week starter. Absolutely. They have 10 turnovers in the first two weeks, and they just look like ball hawks out there. It looks like they're returning to that like Ravens' defense of old. It's, It's pretty exciting. And they play the Jags this week. Yep. So, you know, a great call there, Scott. Jeremy Macklin, two touchdowns in two weeks. He looked like he he looks like he might be the real deal in Baltimore. It's awesome that he and Flacco are, are meshing that quickly. Yeah, Mike Wallace so far, very disappointing. Forgotten. Uh yeah, I really I had him in a couple dailies yesterday, and I really thought that, you know, last year he beat up the Browns. Yeah. And it wasn't Steve Smith. So I was like, all right, it's going to be Mike Wallace this week. Last week it was Macklin. And I still think there's a chance for him to be uh, relevant this week and that week sporadically. Yeah. But I don't think he's a guy that you, if you have him on your lineup and you wanted to put in a claim for some of the guys we're talking about today, I think he's a prime candidate to, uh, to let go. Snips. Yeah. yeah, it seems like the Ravens um, have changed their style from the past two years. You know, they used to be this team that was throwing every single play. Now they're kind of hanging on that defense and using the clock kind of game, running West and running Allen. So it'll be interesting to see how Wallace does. I agree. It's looking bleak right now. Tom, we got into this a little bit on Twitter. You're not putting anything into the Ben Watson game? No, I I think I just to me, like I've been saying, the Browns defense is anyone with a heartbeat. I really thought about starting him in daily, actually. And I didn't check, but DraftKings, you know, the minimums can be so low. Right. I really bet he was like $2,000. Yeah, he was and, probably really Yeah, cheap. I went with Gronk, which obviously was fun yeah. and fruitful. But yeah, I think I was wondering, you know, is it still that same way with the Browns defense? Can you just trot out any tight end versus them? And I think what that was to me was just confirming that more than anything. You see Jesse James go off, and then this week, lackluster. You see Benjamin Watson go off. And then next week, probably lackluster. Yeah. And the week before, he didn't even catch a pass. At all exactly. Right. You know, yeah. we move on to the Browns. Where on the week two preview episode, I did say, "Hey, you know, I'm still rolling with Corey Coleman. He's got Kaiser's eye." Corey Coleman breaks his hand, and Again. now we have Rashard Higgins. Yes, broke the same right hand Stinks. that he broke last year. Um, looking like he might even need surgery right. and go on IR, scheduled to return. But next, Rashard Higgins. Uh, he got 11 targets. Kenny Britt looks like he could care less what happens on the football field. <laughs> and, you know, whether it's Kaiser or Kevin Hogan, which we now know, you know, Kaiser's having migraine issues. So we need to monitor that, especially in two QB leagues, where I think that's the only league where anyone is counting on Kaiser. Yeah, but the, the Higgins, I think, is a great pickup. The migraines, to me, sound like he's afraid of greatness. Yeah, it was so weird when they took him out because... They were like, oh, uh, Kaiser's out. And I turned to Don. It was like, I thought they were playing him the whole year, like, no matter what. Yeah. And then he's got a headache and they take him out. Obviously, you got to be smart about a concussion, especially with a young guy like that. You don't want to start to build up a, a bad concussion history. And I get that. But what you said, Don Higgins, I think he's I think he's actually 
your number one receiver ad. I would I would take him over JJ Nelson because of his long term projection. Um, John Brown eventually will probably come back, which will bring JJ Nelson way down. Larry Fitz is still the best. So yeah, he had a, a rough week where who knows? Indy probably just double. I couldn't watch that game. So <laughs> Indy probably just double covered him, you know, and really bottled him up. And yeah, there are going to be teams that can do that, and there's going to be teams that can't. So I think JJ Nelson's couple first couple weeks have been great and I think he's a good ad but I think Higgins has that has this long-term value that he might be a WR2 that you start all season and especially reception total wise right exactly because the game script obviously the game script for the Cardinals if things keep going south is they're going to be passing a lot too but that speaks more to Larry Fitzgerald Andre Ellington right like you said Nelson's Nelson's not your PPR guy yeah he's not your chain mover yeah and on the Browns um Duke Johnson having a show of things right now. He's playing How like a catch you made. It was a great catch. He's playing like a uh, like a wide receiver out there and then he's also getting you know carries here and there. Right now I'd still rather have Isaiah Crowell. I know it hasn't been beautiful yet, but next week he's got a pretty good matchup versus the Colts. I mean, if he can't get it done there, where can he get it done? And uh Duke Johnson versus the Colts, I'm pretty cool with it too. And if you yeah. put that claim in for Higgins, he, you know, he's going to be playing this week in your lineup possibly. I think so. I think he's a, I think he's a plug and play. And, yeah, because uh, he doesn't get to play the Browns. So playing the Colts, you get you play him. One more quick note about the Browns: David and Joku, he scored. Moving on though, the Eagles <laughs> and the Chiefs probably played one of the most exciting games of the week. I think definitely, obviously, one of the more higher scoring. Um, Travis Kelsey looked like an absolute monster in this game. The Eagles had no answer for him. Zach Ertz made that really kind of fluky that catch. Cool. But, I mean, I think he was on his way to a big day regardless. He ends up with five catches for 95. Kelsey with eight for 103 and a touchdown. LeGarrette Blunt. Zero rushes. One catch for no yards, and he doesn't carry the ball. I, I think you can drop him. I'm, I'm not dropping him yet. I think in you're really only going to own him in standard, and I think that if things get bad, you could start Legarrette Blunt. I mean, let's just reverse roles, right? Last week or week one, they get three pass interference calls in the end zone. You guys mentioned this in the podcast when I was gone, and I liked it a lot. Right, Gillisley gets three one yard touchdowns. That could have been Blunt any day of the week right. if the calls just went that way. And I know that that's not something you want to trot out there every single week, but it's worth having on your bench at the bare minimum. And that's at his lowest. Week one, he got 14 carries and a receiving touchdown. Yeah, I mean, so I think he was in more or less game scripted out of it or it's hard to say because they were still running the ball, but I don't think... And Darren, doing nothing but, when they ran the ball. like they, It's not like... There was value added from Wendell Smallwood. It's or Darren, or Darren Sproles. Sproles in the running game. Like I just don't get why they like. Okay, yeah, he can't run in the shotgun. Then stop going in the shotgun. Yeah, just stop, run it. Power style. Him, yeah, he he needs to be called. He wants his number called on power plays. They're giving him like a halfback stretch and stuff like that. It's not. It's um, not him. It's not his style. So, as much as we can scream at the TV, we can't change anything. So right now, obviously, following a zero point performance in standard and you know, a one point performance in PPR and anything in between in any other format. I don't think you're optimistic starting him next week. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm, I'm not starting him until further notice if I have him. And like I said, with all these other guys, if a, if a Buck Allen's out there, or if a James White's out there, totally. I'm absolutely dropping blunt to get one of those guys. One, yeah. one guy um, that I really am 
warming to a lot that I've never been big on in fantasy is Alex Smith, though. I think that uh, he's a, he's got better weapons than he's ever really had. And uh, if he can just continue to keep manipulating when he uses Hill, when he uses Hunt, and when he uses Kelsey, he's going to keep getting you that like 250 and two touchdowns as like a floor kind of thing. He only had one touchdown this week, but still a solid fantasy day. Like I just see him continuing to do that and – you know, you look at a guy like Russell Wilson, who you picked super early, who you have no idea what you're going to get from him week to week. Alex Smith is the kind of guy that you might want to have on your team to say, you know what, I'm I'm starting Smith this week. It's really hard to write the negative story about Smith right now. Yeah. It's really diff- It's even more difficult to write a negative story about Kareem Hunt. He's the best. He is real. I 13 think- carries for 81 yards and two touchdowns. You know, he they, he wasn't as involved in the first half. The Chiefs ended up passing a lot. Again. But, you know, he's basically game script proof because they come right back to him in the second half. He carries them to a victory. And he did nothing in the first half really against the Patriots in week one either and just came bursting out. He he just looks incredible. I yeah. thought his I thought his second touchdown was like just as cool as Travis Kelsey's when he was like about to fall down and like kind of stuck the ball like through the Eagles legs into the end zone and pulled it back. Like he just seems like a baller, man. He really does. He really does. And with Hill and him and Kelsey, it's like Alex Smith, just don't screw up, brother. And he doesn't screw up. That's the thing. So he, he turns the ball over very little. He's criticized as being like a game manager. But with those weapons, I mean, his stats are just going to inflate. And obviously... Hunt has been the story of the season. Yep. I mean, it's basically so far come down to did you draft Hunt? Then you're doing like really well. Yeah, you know and what if I mean. Not then you're probably like one and one or zero and two. Exactly. Like because people have been up and down, but if you've had Hunt, you've had these this like great, solid like team supporting high numbers, and then any other ancillary piece on your team or people that you picked three, four, five rounds above him yeah. are also producing. So yep. it's crazy. Quick to wrap up the Eagles, Alshon Jeffrey scores and Nelson Aguilar scores again. Nelson Aguilar is basically becoming Jordan Matthews. I think that's going to be really interesting to, to monitor going forward. But it was very encouraging to see Jeffrey get in the end zone as well. Love him. And Carson Wentz is playing very, very good. 55 He's, rushing yards. I was just going to mention his rushing capability. You know, if someone gets 40 rushing yards, that's equivalent of 100 passing yards. What a difference a year makes for him. Like, he, he just looks so much more comfortable in the pocket. He's, like, willing to kind of sit in the pocket, move up a little bit, move back a little bit this year, where last year he was kind of, like, bailing out and getting a little rookie fear, I think. I think now he's just so much more comfortable in this offense that – He's starting he's starting this new trend with all these other back end quarterbacks that are starting to leapfrog up ahead of our front end quarterbacks. Yeah, he's certainly not handing it off to LeGarrette Blunt. So Ever. he's uh throwing it plenty. So I mean as a fantasy quarterback, he should maybe be owned. He I mean, he's a good waiver wire target if you're, you know, in a league where quarterbacks are not widely available and you're trotting out keep saying trotting out today and you're trotting out you know the andy daltons and the trevor is that a malta phrase yeah (laughs) i must have picked it up in europe all right let's keep let's keep it rolling now that we thought the titans would blast the jaguars or at least scott did and guess what the titans blasted the jaguars still plenty of fantasy stories to talk about though because derrick henry basically overtook that backfield demarco murray still dealing with that nagging hamstring marcus Mariota had a nice bounce back game through a couple of touchdowns and 
the junk wars they came back alan hearns <laughs> returned know? to his garbage touchdown catching glory yep. and just for that alone i think he's almost worth an ad um, yeah, he's worth an ad for sure. Also, Marquise Lee got 12 targets, turned it into, I think it was like seven, seven. for 78. Yeah, seven for 78. Thank you, Don. Um, worth Fournette an ad, obviously. Still looked pretty good, even Scored. when they had to go pass heavy. And, you know, the Titans really, I thought, did a good job of bottling him up. He did make his way to the end zone, which was nice. But, you know, it was a game where I felt like, all right, yeah, the Jags beat te- the Texans when they were in flux, but the Titans just know who they are, and they went out there and just laid a pounding. And I really, really liked the Delaney Walker jet sweep handoff. Like, nobody saw that coming. I love him. We were. It was funny when we were talking about Charles Clay. We were saying he's like a comparable talent to Delaney Walker. Right. We were both kind of like fullback, like a little more athletic than you might give him credit for. So he went out there and proved us. There right he is getting that. a one yard touchdown. Yeah. yeah. We thought the Raiders would smack the Jets and the Raiders smacked the Jets. It was a Michael Crabtree week. Oh, it was a <laughs> Michael Crabtree week for the ages. It was and, uh, the Michael Crabtree week. See, like, and here's the thing, like Michael Crabtree was going at least three full rounds behind Amari Cooper never in 12 it. team leagues. I'll never understand it. So, like I, you just, we had our consensus had Crabtree rated ahead of Cooper. We did. I, I did too. I'm sick of putting people putting. Cooper I don't know. Yeah, how many him. times do you have to defend it? Like every single time. Every time Crabtree he has a good has finished ahead of him. Yeah. Every year. Yeah, and he did it again, and it's just tactical route running and amazing hands working the sideline. He just owned the sideline against the Jets and did it again. One perfect my, QB rating when Carr is throwing to Crabtree this year through two games. What else what else could you want from a receiver? Uh, he's got also got a great signature uh celebration just chucking the ball up as high as he possibly can. I love oh. it. I just feel bad if he hits like some team like social media intern or a ball boy <laughs> in the head who's not looking. Who but, shot uh, the That was Freeman. That was Freeman? Freeman. Okay, we'll that get to that. shooting we'll a free get to throw. That. Yeah, that, that was, was awesome. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, his, but yeah, he ran out though. Like he, when he scored his second touchdown, he had nothing. He was just yeah. like, uh... <laughs> true. Um, Beast Mode scores his first touchdown in a Raiders uniform. Beast Mode then gets vultured by Cordero Patterson and Jalen Richard in the second half. So he could have had an even bigger day. I think they even pulled this, him just to kind of keep him healthy. They pulled like everyone. Eventually. This was something that I wanted to warn everyone about in DFS, which I will apologize for now. I was gonna suggest that you don't play Marshawn Lynch for that exact reason that they were just going to be pounding them so bad that like you know he only needed 12 carries so that's all they gave him I think that's what you can expect from the Raiders going forward they're going to give Marshawn the touches he needs for them to win so if he needs 20 carries for them to win he'll get 20 carries but when you're playing the Jets or you're playing a team where maybe you throw more he's not going to get that work that you want moving to the Jets now I mean I'm sorry I tried. I should have trusted you on Jermaine Curse. I tried. And maybe I if I had how, Tom how here, happened. our Jets fandom could have powered you through. I don't know. To I believe. Was, I, I was worried that Jeremy Curley would come in and uh, affect things. But, you know, Robbie Anderson's still getting his decent share of the targets, but it looks like Jermaine Curse is really uh, coming on strong in there. So yeah. are we picking him up this week? In Jermaine Curse definitely picking him up. I think that. After the two guys we've we've gone through with Higgins and Nelson, the next receiver coming off the board, Jermaine Curse, he's got three touchdowns already. And they're going to be passing so much. Worth mentioning that Austin Safarian Jenkins is going to come off of his suspension here. So, you know, he might right. get a couple targets in there. It's another tight end. That could, and red zone work. Yeah, it's another tight end that could come in and start to uh, 
fill up your roster if you're dealing with one of these ones with nagging injuries or you're just looking to see other options. Play the field. Other than him, play no one on the Jets. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, as yeah, much as we love Powell, he's just not getting it. Yeah, Powell and Forte, it's worth mentioning about how that has split up. It hasn't been great. Forte was getting more recept- more receptions and receiving yards than uh, Bilal Powell, which is something that we weren't expecting to see at all. You know, last year it started off the Matt Forte show and it ended the Bilal Powell show, right? So it's right. worth mentioning that, you know, it's not so linear with their backfield and their organization is a turd organization, so anything could happen. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm not dropping uh, Bilal Powell. Are you adding Forte? That's a great follow-up question. Um, if I needed it, yeah. Like if I'm in a, a larger league, like let's say a 12-man, and he's unowned, right now he's he's more useful to start than Bilal Powell. Definitely. All right, so the Dolphins and the Chargers. The Dolphins ruined the Chargers' home opener in their soccer stadium that they can't even sell out. Um, Young Hui Koo, shut it down. Right? I mean, I mean two chances to. If I was a head coach, you wouldn't have even made it to the locker room. Yeah, I mean, helmet was... pads on the field, have your mom pick you up. He's got soul, though. <laughs> but he ain't no soldier. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, Melvin Gordon scoring again for the Chargers. Keenan Allen is back. Yep. Oh, um, yeah. 100 yards last week touchdown the week before so i mean those are the two metrics that you like fawn over as a fantasy owner you know what i mean keenan allen being keenan allen if he can give you one of those every single week you are locked in yep no doubt he could easily be a wr1 yeah and i think melgo is kind of retaining that rb1 status last week um jay ajay maintaining his RB1 pace. He had a great game on the ground. The only thing he didn't do is score. He's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the runs he had, the like spin moves and just ditching guys in the backfield, I thought he really looked great. And he unfortunately, he didn't get that touchdown, but it's coming. Jarvis Landry peppered. I did oh, not expect the God. targets to go that way. Uh, it does make sense because that's all really he's ever been yep. for the Dolphins as a target monster. Um, but I do. I was encouraged by Devontae Parker. He really made some great catches, and you mm. can just kind of see Cutler like smirking a little bit. Like he might have. He might actually smile and show his <laughs> teeth when he throws a pass to Devontae Parker later this year. So if you were taking him, hoping he'd be an Alshon, it wasn't there this week, but. There are some signs that it really could get to that point. Yeah, and coming into the season, I was saying that they're sort of like the Cardinals light, where they're going to focus more on JHI. The targets are kind of going to mesh together. But Jarvis Landry did a lot to prove me wrong on that this week. I don't know if, you know, if JHI keeps running that way, though, he looks so good, that I really do still think that that storyline holds weight. And when you look at it, you know, Devontae Parker had a good game. Kenny Stills had a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Jarvis Landry had a bunch of points. So when you look at it from a fantasy perspective, I mean, they weren't so far apart. I think the Dolphins were just on in a way, and I don't want to discredit it. I mean, it's good that they're on. Right. And who do they play next week? The Jets. Yeah. So trot tr- <laughs> them all out. Oh, yeah. Bring the whole gang. Yeah. Maybe even Cutler in a spot start if you need. They Absolutely. didn't even really score. Don loves that one. Oh, they didn't bad. even really score that <laughs> many points, Miami. And like you know how you're saying everyone had a good fantasy day, they didn't even really score that many touchdowns. So it's it's so possible. They had one, right? Yeah, yeah. I believe they only had one. So it's so possible that you know they can really start to turn that up. I I really liked uh, that catch that Devontae Parker made over. I think it was Hayward. He just took it straight out of his hands. Also, I think that the targets going to Landry um, was more of a game script type of thing. Uh, the Chargers got or 
Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the Chargers yes. got absolutely owned by Benny Fowler out of the slot uh, the week before. Uh, they also lost uh, Verrett before the game. The Chargers did so. It opened up a lot of space underneath for Jarvis, and I think the Dolphins knew that and made a concerted effort to go there. I don't see him getting 17 targets or whatever it was. Again, I, like you said, it's going to be dispersed out a little more, and maybe on a matchup where. A team doesn't have that big of a corner. You're looking at Devontae Parker getting a lot of targets. I agree completely with that sentiment. We move now to the Broncos and the Cowboys, and I think the ongoing idea was that Ezekiel Elliott, now that he's playing and his suspension is off the table for now, that he was matchup proof. And then we discovered that it might be the Broncos defense and Trevor Simeon who are matchup proof because Simeon carved them up for four touchdowns. The Broncos defense scores a touchdown. They had another interception that went for a long return and could have had a few more that were actually dropped. So it was a shellacking. The Broncos end up winning 42, 17, you know, not a whole lot to like from what you saw from the Cowboys this week. No, but I mean, honestly, Trevor Simeon has looked really good this year. Yeah, he really has, man. It's tough to deny it. From the the eyeball test, so to speak, he's passing with flying colors. I mean, he's doing, he's having his way with the defense, and he's putting the ball on target in the red zone. Like, even week one, he was so close to having a three-touchdown game. Right. Emmanuel Sanders, you know, didn't get the feed in or whatever. Right. This week, a four-touchdown game. So, I mean, like, he is, you know, like when you're dealing with the Russell Wilsons and like you were mentioning before, right now it seems like Adam, Trevor Simeon is worth it. Adam, he might be the number one QB ad this week. I mean, he might, I mean, he might be he's the probably number your one number QB one quarterback right yeah. now. Yeah. And these aren't defenses that we thought going into the season were going to be bad defenses. Well, the Dallas, not so great. But Dallas, not so great, but they beat up on the Giants and they seemed as though they were going to be more improved. Sure. Dallas had a lot of corner trouble yesterday, and I think that led a lot, especially to the big game out of Sanders. But, but he beat up the Chargers, and all I did in the offseason was talk up the Chargers. Right, exactly. So, so he did well against those two defenses that I'll say I expected to be sure. pretty good this year. So Simeon looked awesome, and... It's, he has to be worth an ad at this point. Moving to the Cowboys, I think Dez had like the worst possible game you could have when you scored a touchdown. He just he looks so frustrated out there. I mean, he just like it's they, because Cowboys just didn't have it. He can't get separation in the middle of the field anymore. He does not catch the ball in the middle of the field across the middle, running slants, running you know these routes, these these drag routes. Like you saw Julio just own on a drag route in the middle. You don't see Dez Bryant doing those types of things anymore. Did he lose a step? I'm not really sure. It's not really my call to say. Had a rough battle with Tlaib, but guess what? The slate does not get easier for Dez as the season goes on. As we've brought up, I mean, he's got one of those. He's got the most treacherous schedule according to uh, strength of schedule ratings from last year. And, you know, things change. People add stuff to different teams. But it's scary because he's going up against the number one corner on all these teams. You know, he's going to see Josh Norman. He's going to see... Janoris Jenkins again. again. Yep. So it gives you Marcus pause. Peters. They put, they play Kansas city later in the year. It gives you pause to do that, you know? And I was just going to, I don't know why. Cause you said Marcus Peters. I was going to say he doesn't shadow, which is what helped out Alshon. Right. But like still when, like even when the Patriots played him, they didn't even throw to that side of the field. Right. And to Scott's point, like the, the Cowboys are just kind of like throwing Dez out on the same side every time and saying, okay, like, we're going to go deep to you if, if Dak feels like it. And that's pretty yeah. much it. Dak, so you got if, enough time, throw a 50-50 ball and yeah. see if Des can get it. And 
there's a good chance Des does. Yeah, he's right. pretty awesome. He's, at he's that. pretty awesome at that. Um, one thing going toward Dak, um, I think that a lot of people watched that game yesterday and really gave him an unfair assessment of of his per- performance. And everyone said, you know, if you if you just stack the box and and make him throw, you're gonna lose. Oh yeah, of course you are. When Von Miller has 13 pressures and Shaq Barrett on the other side has 10. And they have a keep to leave and Chris Harris as the cornerbacks. What other team in the NFL can put you in a situation like that other than Denver? So with me, I'm, I still trust Dak fully. I do too. Um, yeah. And I'm starting to really believe in Jason Witten. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's another must add. If he's hanging out there, you got to grab him. Yeah. yeah, and he's a he's a security blanket, you know? And I've always joked around that if first downs were worth more, that he'd be like the best tight end in the in fantasy because it's third down. Who do they go to? Jason Witten, and he's getting that separation in the middle of the field that Des Bryant no longer is, which is oh, crazy because Witten's was, like what eighty. He was separating like no other. I think he looks healthier than he has in a while. Witten, like I think maybe last year, since he's such like a all American rough it out kind of guy, he might have been playing with a little injury that we didn't know about. It made him look a little slower. Yeah, he looks quick this year. Something with him, it's probably the same way with Larry Fitzgerald. Like he starts out a little stronger because he's just a little bit more up there in age. Right, but they're such consummate professionals that when they come into the season, they're ready to go. Right, but Father Time kind of. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Whittles away at them as yeah. the weeks go on. But I mean, right now, perfect uh, tight end option. You can do way worse. Absolutely. You could do a lot better than what the Seahawks are doing right now on offense. They score one touchdown. Jimmy Graham. To go with their zero touchdowns that they scored against the Packers. They barely escape at home against the 49ers, who also didn't score a touchdown. And it's just, it's this was a weird game, but... Carlos Hyde. I was going to say, I got to give you some credit on that because he ran good. He looked and, really good. And I was even, I'll even take some of my credit away because I thought he was going to have his effect in the passing game. I had no idea he was going to run on Seattle the way that he did. He looked better than anyone this year, except for maybe Kareem, probably Kareem Hunt. He's, um, an, I, I have a, a very excited because I own him in two leagues. And he gets to play the Rams on a short week who just got walked up and down the field through the run game through Rob Kelly and P. Ryan and Chris Thompson. So I think Hyde next week, you're firing up as, as a close to top 10 running back. And hopefully he's able to keep that going. The rest of that offense looked so bad. But I still like Garcon going forward for volume purposes. He, it, that game was just so ugly that... The 49ers were too close into the game to not just run the ball and trying to see if they can pull off like a, a miracle touchdown late or something like that. So I think that's why Garcon just didn't get a lot of targets. And uh, moving over to Seattle. Whew. I mean, what can you do? You've you've invested so much in Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, and now Jimmy Graham, who's got what? I think it's like three catches for four yards on the season. Yeah. And it's under uh, one point in standard. That's pretty bad. Um <laughs> And But we do maybe have something to talk about with Chris Carson. It's his backfield. Eddie Lacy, healthy and active. Rawls was ineffective. They don't trust CJ Proceis to run between the tackles. Nope. I think Chris Carson has a role, and there are leagues that I'm in where he's unowned, and that needs to change this week. Yep, he's up there in that mix with, um, you know, your, your Buck Allen as your, as your must-add. Um I thought he ran very well. Obviously, he gets to face a good matchup, but um, 
I really like Carson a lot. Yeah, the line is just so bad is the only thing. Yeah. And that's what's really hindering their offensive production. But, you know, if you want to be the optimist, you look at uh, the last two years, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks have been much more of a strong finisher type team. So this has happened before, and they still these, – these players, these uh, – these stars we're talking about, Doug Baldwin, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Graham, they all still finish very highly at the end of the year. So I think better days are to come, but right now it is a little bit, it is a little scary. Yeah. And I mean, you know, how many years are they going to start slow and then just until they just have a year where they don't get there? Well, you know, that's why I was so into the Seahawks this year because I thought the storyline read that they could just start hot this year. Yeah. You know, Russell Wilson, better health, you know, uh, they were smoking teams in the preseason, too. Yeah, I mean, I still think it can happen, obviously. Um, they're a great organization. Like I was saying, the Jets is a turd organization. The Seahawks is a great front office. They make a lot of good decisions. Maybe they'll address some of their weaknesses right now, or maybe they can just lean on that defense and Chris Carson becomes a uh, a clock burner yeah. like the Cowboys did with Zeke last year. But it's just tough when you don't have that offensive line. So. It's kind of a wait and see. I mean, I'm still starting Russell Wilson. I'm still starting Doug Baldwin. And I wouldn't start Jimmy Graham if I had something better, but I wouldn't kill you if you did. Scotty, you alluded to it. Washington walked the Rams' defense up and down the field whenever they felt like it last week. On the ground. Yeah, on the ground. Yeah. Rob Kelly had 78 yards before he left with a rib injury. Chris Thompson scored from 60 yards out on a delayed handoff. And the rookie, Samaj P. Ryan, who was benched week one for fumbling. I guess Jay Gruden just doesn't subscribe to the Andy Reid, trust your young running back thing. Um, but, you know, Kelly exits with an injury. There were reports it's a fractured rib. He's actually now listed day-to-day. Yep. He avoided a, a severe injury, which is awesome because he was running really well. I think Chris Thompson's worth a look as an ad. And I also think that... Todd Gurley is back to RB1 value. Todd Gurley's touchdown was awesome. His second one was incredible. What a hurdle. That was like an Olympic hurdle. That was so cool. And then to score, because once you do that, you lose all your momentum and everything. But then to get back on the ground and score was just so cool. Um, Rob Kelly, uh, I think he looks good. He gets game scripted out sometimes with the the day-to-day injury, with the the rib of the chest. It's going to be a little... uh, What's the word I'm touch looking and for? Go? Touch and go. T- you know, this 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 coming up week. The hand back and forth. Yeah, I was Got doing the, yeah. the gas pedals over here. <laughs> um, but I do not think that Chris Thompson is going to replicate these huge performances every single week. Like, I think you can put him on your roster. Right. But I do not think that you can expect these 20-point performances from Chris Thompson. I think he's a great player, sure. But if Rob Kelly doesn't take the field... It's going to be Samaj Pirine who's getting the carries. I think people need to kind of understand that. It's not just going to be Chris Thompson getting the carries. He's more of the scat back guy. And although he does get, you know, the sporadic carries, he's not the uh, first and second down back. I do think, though, that because Kelly exited and because they're kind of uneasy with Pirine, I think Thompson got more carries than he was expected to get in yes. this particular game just because they didn't want to have Pirine get the full second-half workload with Rob Kelly's injury situation being what it is. But he does still have that passing back role, and he's now scored three touchdowns in two weeks. And, 
you know, I can think of a guy like Le'Veon Bell or I can think of a guy like LaShawn McCoy or, you know, some of these other high-end running backs who haven't done that yet. Yeah, right? but you'd be on drugs if you sat one of them for him. <laughs> yeah, agreed. But um, it's interesting that, you know, you guys were saying that Tom- I think Thompson can get game scripted into a lot more games for sure than like a Pirine. Can Same get way I was talking about yeah, right. Kamara. Right. Yeah, exactly. So... I, you know, you guys know I always like the pass catching backs, and I do believe that this is going to be the year of the pass catching back in the NFL. So I love the Thompson ad. I also love the Pirine ad, though. I think both should definitely be owned if they're out there. You can go ahead and pick them if you're running back needy. For the Rams, because we only really talked about Todd Gurley, Goff looked okay. Uh, yeah. Cup looked okay. Watkins got Josh Norman like we expected. This isn't an offense that we need to fade right now, though, because I think they do have the weapons in place that they can put up a lot of points. I think that game against the Niners actually looks pretty interesting this Thursday night. It was an encouraging performance in a loss for Goff. Like, Goff played well again, so it seems as though him and McVay have created something sustainable with Cup and Watkins and Gurley. The interception that he threw at the end, though, was really bad. He was just staring down the mule... Which, I mean, as a lot of us would do if we were playing, like, flag football with Cooper Cup. If I just saw him in real life, I'd just be staring at him. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, um, but yeah, just I mean... walking around. You know, it wasn't... Whole Foods. It wasn't an overwhelming week for the past game, but we think that weeks like that could get better. But, again, you know, Todd Gurley, if you got him in that second, third round where he was going, you got yourself a great bargain at running back. The Falcons-Packers game, high scoring as we expected. It hit the over of 54.5 by two points or three points. Uh, Falcons win 34-23. They open up their home stadium with a win. They looked great. Julio, as I mentioned, the Packers just have no idea how to cover Julio Jones. And if if the Falcons play the Packers in the playoffs this year, I don't know how the Packers can even think they have a chance. Sanu looked very good. Both running backs combined Even for three touchdowns. Gabriel was, actually looked pretty good, too. And he, and he did, you're getting right. a lot of uh, looks. I think that team playing on that turf and in that dome is just so good that the Packers could beat them in the playoffs, but they got to play them in Lambeau. Yeah. You play them on the fast track, you are in trouble. And I will say this, the Packers secondary is lucky the Falcons were beating them that bad because Julio was primed and ready to start ripping. But they were up 31-7 before you can know it. And then it was like, all right, Julio, time for you to chill. We'll, we'll get Coleman a touchdown and Freeman another one, I guess. And Trufant will pick one up and score one. They just look so fast on that turf. They look just faster than every team. You're right. Yeah. They got guys running wide open everywhere. For the Packers, we do have some concerns. Jordy Nelson exits the game with a quad contusion. Randall Cobb exits late with a shoulder. He's getting an MRI today. Oh, it came so, back, and it's, oh. he's day-to-day. Oh, well, it's, like a, it's more of a strain. He's day-to-day. So Cobb looks as though he survived. Jordy, and now our listeners know who checked Twitter before we started recording. <laughs> that's right. Um, and Jordy has this uh, John Brown quad injury. So John Brown missed two weeks. We'll see what Jordy makes me think that if you need a receiver, uh, Geronimo Allison is out there, and he's <laughs> breathing, and he's on the Packers. So I mean, yeah, it, that's that's enough sometimes. But I think with uh, some of the guys we've recommended today, I think you know starting Higgins on the Browns, 
versus the the Colts right. is better off yeah. than Geronimo Allison versus uh, the Bengals. The Bengals, which, which is actually pretty appealing. Who need the Bengals need a win, but they are going to Lambeau, and I think that could be a nice little get right game for Rodgers, who did have two very rare turnovers. He's now got three turnovers in two weeks, so I'm not panicking if I have him. Right. You know, he's put up. I think it was 18 last week and 18 and around 14 this week. So averaging 18 a game, he's not at QB1 status, but he's another notoriously slow starter, and he kind of really only seemed to pick it up for the Packers last year when their backs were up against the wall and they had to win six straight. And before we leave this game, uh, we have to bring up Ty Montgomery. Yeah. Um, this guy's looking like he's going to be a top five running back all season. And just his ability in the pass game – and in the run game, he was pushing the pile like, you know, I've never seen a receiver push a pile like that. And obviously, you really can't even call him a receiver anymore. But with Jordy going down, it's like, all right, is this guy going to start playing receiver too? And you don't know. Like, you don't know how high this can go for Ty Montgomery if Jordy is in trouble and Cobb's too dinged up to be able to run those routes over the middle and stuff like that. It could be crazy for yeah. Ty Montgomery. Caught a touchdown gave- from Rodgers on a shovel pass on the goal line. So, that's his second one-yard touchdown of the year, and that's what you're hoping for as a running back, that you're getting that look on the one. Yeah, and when they gave the ball in a rushing attempt to anyone but him, I was like, it was, it was clear. Like, you what know? are you doing? I was like, give 88 the ball. Yeah. I love 88 as a running back. It's yeah. just so cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, I can't speak on it enough. Don was huge on him in the offseason. I was uh, a little – less enthusiastic he was the guy that climbed my running back rankings the most when we did the rankings update so i joined on the bandwagon a a couple stations behind don but i came on yeah and i mean i was encouraged enough to get him in some leagues and i'm just really happy that i did it's give and take with the packers though because i was on the martellus bennett bandwagon and And he he, had six first half targets for zero catches well he definitely ate some popcorn he ate some popcorn before that game he would have been fine if he could just squeeze the thing i was pretty pissed at that so no have him but i was like why (laughs) yeah so no jordy no Cobb week three let's just assume that that's the scenario do you like bennett as a tight end player or do you have to see it before you start him no you could fire him up i think if if those two are out and you know they're out then you have to play bennett he was definitely getting enough targets to subsist on there's no doubt about that um i think Cobb will play i think actually jordy will be out because it's the same uh leg that he had the acl struggles with yeah so it's just something where it's like you gotta give him a rest, yeah. a long enough rest, so that you can have him for the for the show. You don't want him at seventy percent for fourteen weeks. You want him you don't at one hundred percent for you know maybe it's only ten or twelve, but you want him at one hundred percent. And you don't want to ruin him in week three, right? You know, especially yeah. when you've got a team that hasn't scored a touchdown coming to your home field. We actually do have one more game to kind of preview. We already did in last week's week two preview, but the Giants are about to kick off against the Lions. Odell. We, as far as I, as far as we've seen, we still don't know whether or not he's going to go, um, which kind of just leads me to think they're going to hold him out yeah. and give him another full week of practice to get right. But we'll see. Um, and then we've got the line. So we got the Lions and the Giants. I mean, this is this could be really sloppy, just because the Lions can have a sloppy game on the road like this, and you know the Giants have no comp. I have no confidence in the Giants right now. Yeah, I, I think I'd be a little scared of Stafford this week, but um, 
if some if he has a okay game and someone drops him, make sure you pick him up because he plays Atlanta next week and he'll be ready to sling like he always is. But I agree. I think it's going to be ugly. There's not really much reason for the Giants to play Odell when you have to come back and play on a short week the next week. Just kind of sets him up to play a game and then miss the next one. So I think that you're right. They're just going to sit him out, which is unfortunate. But I expect like maybe 20 to 13 Lions. Tom? Any score prediction, or are you just like, whatever? I, I just don't want to make too many predictions about this game because this is going to come out right after it. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so that is going to do it for us. Uh, once again, you can hit us up on Twitter at RutzFF. We've got memes. We've got sit-start advice. We've got everything you're going to need from a fantasy football podcast on Twitter. We've also got personal Twitter accounts. Tom is at HillierFF. Scott is at WagsFF. I am at WhySoSerious. Keep those five-star reviews coming. If you're trying to uh, evaluate a trade that you want to make and you want to know if it's a good offer or not, or if we'd take it, let us know with a five-star review. Leave it in the review, and uh, we'll answer it uh, as we get them. And uh, before we go, who's your number one waiver wire ad this week, Scott? I'm going to go with... uh... Higgins from the Browns, I think. I think it's just such a good ad just for this week especially. Tom? I'm going to – can I say Jack Doyle? I feel like sure. people have dropped him. I did. Exactly. So, And I think the same reason as Scott said, he's going to be great this week. I'm assuming Buck Allen too. Like, oh, Buck Allen, yeah. yeah like Obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll take J.J. Nelson. Okay. I believe. And we hope you guys believe in us enough to catch us on the Week 3 preview. It comes out Thursday morning, and we'll see you then. But until then. Keeps going. Baby, we were born to win.